Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. So what's wrong? I missed another deadline and I can't seem to make myself get on board. I can't seem to perform like I used to. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me as we get really serious and investigate and look at some wisdoms that we can take from understanding and dealing with and even grappling with performance anxiety. So join me on the flip as we talk about when you can't perform. I'll see you soon. As we're coming down to the end of the road of this current year, if you're listening to this at the time of recording, uh, it is, we're just a few days away from new energy of a new year. And I wanted to take this time to talk about something that I've been dealing with as well as a lot of people. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. Part of my challenging myself to just give what I could, no matter how raggedy it was, but giving my best effort each day to finally do a podcast was a part of being able to do a little bit of a self-rescue. You see, as one of those creatives out there who uh, makes her living off of what I can create out of thin air, I had succumbed to performance anxiety. And I wanted to talk about this for a while, but I, I wasn't ready. And I was like, okay, there'll be a sigh. And lo and behold, uh, a few weeks ago, as of the time of this recording, a podcast was released by a gentleman that I have admired, a fellow Atlanta resident, Andre of uh, Outcast. Uh, he goes by the name Andre 3000. And it was on the Broken Records podcast. Shout out to them. And I haven't said this, but I have this kind of like sapiosexual crush on uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And he contributes to that podcast. Um, but he also has his own called Revisionist History. But this is not about that. Let me get back on the subject. Well, anyway, this podcast came out with Andre 3000 talking about his performance anxiety. And when I listened to it, uh, it I didn't catch it when it first came out, uh, but it was because of a lot of the talk around it and his realness and humility. I was like, I'm almost scared to listen to it because from the snippets I heard, I was like, Ooh, uh, this sounds close to home. And so 
I got up the nerve and I listened to it and I let it minister to my soul and marinate and it scared the heck out of me. And I had to get to the point where I had to face that. You see, I've been very blessed to have a second career where I worked hard and it, and most people think, oh, she got this success off the bat. And that was not it. I had a lot of failure and I've been blessed to have a lot of success, but it didn't come just because I decided I'm going to write books for a living. No, I had to pay my dues and all of that, just like anybody else. But it was the fact that I has, I've had and continue to have, thank goodness, uh, some successes and uh, some series that do very well. And I'm so thankful for that. And when Andre 3000 was speaking about that when you have these successes and whenever you endeavor to put something else out, people are, are going to use the uh, measure and the ruler of your making to compare you to. It becomes daunting. And I so understood that. And so what we're going to be talking about today, because this isn't about me. Okay, again, I am here to serve you and to um, serve you as much wisdom as the conduit that I am hopefully will flow through. But I wanted to just be very vulnerable and open with that at the start of this so that you can understand that this is not me sitting high and looking low. I I fight through this daily. I mean, (laughs) this morning I spent time writing and rewriting passages, and I had to realize that performance anxiety, be darned, you will not take me out. You just will not. I will get through with this manuscript and I will get through with this training that I'm working on. And so with that being said, let's get into some wisdom smacks and thank you for listening and joining me today. All right. Now, one of the kind of weird things about this is that I, um, remember a famous intro to a song by the name of Tyrone that was said by Erica Badu when she released the live version of this song. And it's funny because Erica Badu used to be uh, uh, romantically linked with Andre the 3000. And the classic line goes like this, where she's talking about introducing the song and setting it up. And then she tells people, you know, I hope you like it. And then she says, because I'm sensitive about my ish, you know, and I was like, I so understand that. I so get that. And when I thought about that, I thought about how when I put out books or when I uh, work with clients, the testimonials or the reviews or the ratings, oh my gosh, they are so harsh and for me to deal with, whether they're good or bad, they're just harsh on me to deal with. And I was like, wow, because I have that sensitivity. I don't normally bask in that. I don't think, oh, you're just sensitive. I don't, but yet and still it's there. And I care. There have been so many times, and I can't say so many because it's not like I've gotten just slews of bad reviews, but there have been enough times for it to count where I've had people just flippantly give a review on a book and say, eh, you know, she could have done this or that, or I didn't like this character this way or whatever. 
And I have wanted to, and I've done it. Yep. I, I, I'll be honest. I'll hold my hand up and, and, and take it. I have actually said, well, please send me the link to your book so I can figure out how it's done. Since you, you know everything about this, let me go and sit at your feet and learn. But yes, I understand that's petty. I do. I do. And I understand that it is part of that part of me and us that we have to work through. But I will say this as well. From time to time, I have allowed myself to lock in on the negative and it has caused me to not produce. Not because I went in the corner and cried, but because I second guessed myself with everything I did, causing it to be prolonged to the point where I was missing deadline and missing deadline and couldn't make make it happen, couldn't finish, uh, getting confused and jumbled in my own uh, pr- creative process. And I had to finally realize that, you know what? This is something that if you're dealing with it, if Andre 3000 is dealing with it, there are a lot of people dealing with it. And so at least you can do is give people, you know, minister uh, uh, to you, meaning I serve at your pleasure when you listen to this, the the wisdoms that are working on me that keep me going when there aren't any cheerleaders in the background saying, go, go, Shell, go, Michelle, you got this. And so that's where we are. All right. Enough about the rambling. Let's, let's, let's get into it. I've told you guys about the four karmic questions that a lot of us come into this life with, and I'll do a quick review of them again. The, these four karmic questions or problems or things that you need to work out. Uh, some people have one, Some people have a combination of some, and some people have them all, depending on what part of your life you're in. And they have been very helpful in helping me use them as a diagnostic tool to pinpoint areas to help others as well as myself. So here you go. These four karmic issues, questions, problems are such. The first one, and they're not in any kind of order, but this is the way I remember them. And this is the way I usually teach them. So number one would be resistance to light. This is the person who has a divine homesickness. A lot of times people say they have a death wish. They are usually marked by having unstable Uh, relationships and not relationships just with people, relationships with their own lives, with food, with money, um, with their environment. And it boils down to a commitment issue of people not really being totally committed to this life. A lot of catchphrases you'll hear them say is things like, I'm so tired or I'm over this, or I just can't, I can't do this anymore. So that's going to be in that resistance area where that person straddles two worlds. They're not fully committed. And yes, they can have commitment issues as well, you know, with different things. The next one is going to be victimhood. Uh, A lot of times it shows itself by way of entitlement, the Robin Hood syndrome, where instead of giving to the Uh, stealing from the rich to give to the poor, the person believes that they are the poor and that no one else has it as hard as they do. So it's an entitlement thing. It also masquerades and looks like um, uh, codependency. And so there's a lot of things that are going on with this whole victim thing. A lot of times you'll have people saying things like, well, you haven't had it as hard as me. 
or nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And it's always where they have a view of the world as being confrontational or adversarial to them instead of them uh, having the same type of experience as everyone else. Because some kind of way, they believe that they are the true victims of the world and that the world is out to get them. All right. The next one, the third one is self-identity. This one is where people are constantly looking externally to figure out who they are. Tell me who I am. They give a lot of their power away to others. They're the ones who, who need and want to be led. They need the mentors, the teachers, the gurus. Um, they need someone to get validation from, to always be telling them whether or not they have done well. They need the hype person. They need the entourage. These are the folks who operate on a lot of glorification. If you want to motivate them, motivate them through affirmation, praise, and glory, and tell them how well they do. Tell them who they are. Tell them that they're on the right track. But this person with the self-identity issues does not seem to have an internal North Star of knowing who they are. And you'll know this because when you deal with them, if you tell them something, they want an example or they want you to show them or they want you to do it for them because they have this difficulty in being able to make the connection between the advice and the execution of how to real to how how to become self-realized. All right, so that one's the third one. And then the fourth one is the bookend of um, the four. And it is the other side of the first one. Whereas you have resistance to life on um, number one, number four, you have worthiness or unworthiness. And it's where it is a divine exile. So whereas the uh, resistance to life person is homesick for utopia or for a better or a different world, the worthiness person feels like they've been exiled for something and they spend their lives trying to prove they're worthy enough to be accepted back into the fold. Now, the worthiness person is not necessarily unable to commit, but the worthiness person, oh my dear, the worthiness person is never content to be enough. They are always trying to prove to people that they are who they say they are. They struggle a lot with imposter syndrome. They struggle a lot with uh, having enough credentials. So these are going to be the persons who study all the time, who have a lot of degrees and titles, badges and ribbons, and they they go for accreditations and they go for things, uh, medals and, and things like that to, to have an outward show to let you know, I am worthy. I am worthy. Unlike the self-identity person, the worthiness person is acutely aware of who they are to the point where they know all of their faults and they know yours too because they are hypercritical they have an eagle eye and you can't shuck or get over on a worthiness person because they spend their lives dissecting down to the minutia uh, what is the truth of a matter? They are facts people, questioning people. They know their stuff because they're trying to prove that I really am worthy. 
And so they tend to have extreme hypercriticalness. They tend to be perfectionists and master procrastinators. And they tend to be people who are always seeking and never satisfied. There's never enough uh, to validate them. And so there you have it. Now, thank you for letting me spend a few minutes to go over those because when we deal with this performance anxiety, there are a lot of uh, things that uh, can trigger this. And all four of those karmic issues I just talked about, all four of them can trigger performance anxiety. Now, one of the biggest ones and one of the ones that most people are familiar with is the idea and the concept of stage fright. That's that anxiety you have of doing something in front of people where you're being seen and you're being observed. And immediately off the bat, the low-hanging answer, if you were to say which one of the karmic issues is at play here, you would possibly say it would be worthiness and you wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> you Some people might say identity issues. You wouldn't be wrong, but the other two are in play as well. And I don't have enough time to go down into the granular levels, but just suffice it to say that when we are seen by others, there is a fear and an anxiety of annihilation, meaning that one of the death blows to our our existence is to be seen but ignored, invalidated, to become invisible. That is why when you look at the formative years of children, and especially by the time they get to middle school, into high school, and you get your cliques and your mean girls and all this, you find that children engage in behaviors that they wouldn't normally, but they do it so that they can belong and have a sense of not only identity, but of being seen by those close to them that they care about what these people think. And the walk of shame, and it's not just with high schoolers, the walk of shame is still to be in a, an, in a new place or a place in general in society, go there and have everyone ignore you. And if you look at what that is, that ties into our fear of non-existence, our fear of death, our fear of not having been remembered, not being seen, and all of that. Because when we come here, that is part of what we do as human beings. We produce, we leave legacy, and we want to be recognized. And so when you have that fear of stage fright, a lot of times people connected with what you're doing, whether it be public speaking or performing or singing or such and thus, that's not necessarily the case. It is usually rooted in, I will be seen and I will be judged. And I don't know if I will be found worthy or I don't know if I will figure out what I'm supposed to be doing and who I'm supposed to be while I'm doing it. And so that's one of the, the basic areas that people think of. Now, of course, if you were to go online and start looking at performance anxiety, I'm pretty sure you'll see a lot of stuff taking up the page dealing with sexual performance anxiety. And that's just more of the same of having a fear of performing to because you care what the other person thinks about you. 
And it still goes back to that annihilation and that death knell. What if you don't perform to their liking? You become invisible to them. And if they have enough power, they make you invisible to others by telling them that you can't perform. And so the cycle is vicious. But I'm going to just talk uh, really quickly about some things that are compounding in our society today where more and more people are becoming unable to perform and, and perform in their life, just everyday things. So, for instance, procrastination and perfectionism are, are being fed and produced in quantity. Honey, if it was a factory, it would be open every day, all day. And it's partly due to our social media uh, uh, presence and pressures. And there are a lot of people in social media that do not seem to understand that when you give criticism to someone and you do it in an open forum, it allows other people to pile on that criticism. And that criticism of that person is very crushing and it causes people to, uh, if they're resilient, it causes them to have to battle procrastination and perfectionism. If they're not resilient, it causes much darker things to happen, such that you might have people that fall into psychological disorders up to and including suicide. And so we have to be careful. Now, I'm pretty sure you've heard this stuff before, but I do want to say, be careful with your criticisms. Be careful with uh, how cavalier you are when you when you post stuff. It's gotten to the point where it, it, it always was like this for me. Uh, I don't tend to venture out and post a lot in an open forum because Anything that anyone says can be misconstrued or taken out of context, it can have a totally different meaning. And when you release things out into the internet, delete does not matter because the internet never forgets, as well as the fact that because we are having global communication, our culture is changing and things that were fine now might not be fine tomorrow, next year, or 10 years from now. And what happens if at this particular time, you're still growing? We're all still growing. You say something, it's funny at the time, but then four or five years, 10 years later, it is taboo. And then you have to answer for something you did 10 years ago with who you've become now. Think of what that does to your ability to go and perform in front of the very people who are accusing you. Now, one thing I liked, um, shout out to Trevor Noah when he was asked about the cancel, cancel culture. I think he has had one of the most profound um, statements, I'm not, excuse me, responses to that question. And what he has said is great in that he was like, it is amazing to him how when people come for someone for something that they said years ago, that they don't realize that they need to come for themselves or for others. Because when someone says something, there's always, an, especially a person of um, fame or um, notability, they always have an audience. 
So if you come for them, you have to come for everybody that was listening to it. The same people who were speaking were speaking to an audience who was laughing. Because in context, in the time, it was okay. Now, this does not excuse a lot of things that we have to learn and grow from that are disparaging to peoples or to um, movements or things. I'm not talking about that. And if you try to come for me, oh, don't, don't. I'm just saying, don't. But what I am trying to bring up is that we tend to dissect out only the parts that we want in a sort of revisionist history kind of way. Shout out to you, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, and um, we tend to forget the whole of the situation. Now, in our world, uh, we have not only the social media police and the cancel culture and all of that, we also have the whole idea of society at large, because society today is totally different than it was just even five years ago. Today, society is a movement. You've got to contend with not only your social media presence, but you have to contend with your work presence, your uh, interpersonal presence, your neighborly presence, and all of that. I'm going to tell you guys, just dealing with my HOA has caused me to rethink some things in my life of, you know, what, where I want to go and where, how I want to live in the future. Um, but with this, when you can't perform, it's not necessarily just all because of you. You have to take a moment and look at all of these external factors and see how they mix with the internal factors that's, that are going on. Sometimes just putting on a happy face and smiling is not enough to get it. And sometimes you have to get help from people who are uh, trained and experienced in helping. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to necessarily get help from one person. You can get help from a group of people. And if you're not into therapy or group work, or I mean, through group therapy, find meetups, find people who are healthy enough as friends who understand your situation and have similar experiences and be willing to listen to them and be listened to because we got to get some help out here. Too many people are being inundated with all of these external and internal impulses wrecking havoc to the point where we're becoming very unproductive. It's affecting our health. Uh, They just came out with new reports that says that this is the first time where our life expectancy has started to decrease. We've also stopped having as many uh, sexual relationships. Uh, It's it's dire. <laughs> I'll say that. And a lot of it has to do with this por- uh, performance anxiety in all areas. Right now, it's no longer where people are trying to perform to keep a job. No, because there is this everywhereness of social media, meaning that you don't just have to compete with your coworkers at a job. You have to compete with the world because your company can say, oh, okay, we'll just do away with this department and we'll outsource it to, to a company. That's all they do. And, you know, so you get to the point where 
it becomes do or die that you must be a success just to keep your job. And when you think about that, whether it be somewhere in corporate America or whether you're doing gig economy, think about the last time you used the service of someone. And I'm I'm actually thinking of, of one, but I don't want to bring it up. Um where it went wrong, but I'm just going to use a, you know, a, a generic one. Think about if you work for, um, as a gig, you work for a company that delivers food and things. Part of your ability to continue to survive, thrive, and make your income come in is not even just hinging on how well you did your job. It hinges on the responses of the recipients of your service by way of ratings, by way of hopefully they don't take a screenshot of your picture and put it up on social media and say, this person sucks, you know, that they didn't deliver what I wanted in the way I wanted it when I wanted it. And then you have lynch mobs, digital lynch mobs coming for you. There are so many uh, obstacle courses that we get into each day, that it makes it hard. So in the last few minutes that we have to talk about uh, this, when you, what to do when you can't perform, what I'm going to say is this, and that is that become a conduit. And what I mean by becoming a conduit is take the pressure off of yourself to generate anything. Let things flow through you. You just simply be a connector, a connector to from what you want to be, your aspirational self, to what you are to become, your practical, immediate future self. When you take away all of the dependency of your life being just on what you can generate, and you realize that you're never really alone, and you realize that it's not all on you to try to deal with, Life becomes better. I've mentioned this other one before, and that is talk with someone or a group. Find a place to make sure that you're heard and that you can listen because there is something about knowing that you're not alone, knowing that you're not the only one suffering. When you start to feel like that victim, no one has it as bad as me. That's part of the uh, invitation to a downfall. So don't, don't get there. And the next thing is, is if you find yourself saying, I'm just tired of this, I'm over this, and you find that you check out, you disengage quickly, stop it. And when to, to stop it, just embrace life, embrace being here and living this life. And for any and everyone that's having this idea of performance anxiety, understand that you're not dead yet. Every time you take in a breath, that is the universal good assuring you that you still have value and worth and a reason to live and to be here. And so I want you to understand that the reason why you can't perform, it might be varied and there are a lot of opposing forces, but guess what? You win. Understand that you're not alone. Just allow the goodness to flow through you and get some help and understand that life is here for the living and you have today to make it great. So guess what? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.